much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shaden Crawford. I just completed a fascinating interview with Dr. Nancy McWilliams. She is a renowned psychoanalyst and has published literally the diagnostic manual, uh, how to diagnose, how to do case conceptualization, and she will soon be releasing a text on how to supervise from psychoanalytic perspective. Now, I have to give you context. When I went through undergrad and grad school, there tends to be a leaning um, against psychoanalysis. And I think that's really unfortunate. Um, our culture really likes microwave instant gratification. And I thought I would unpack her conversation with me because sometimes psychoanalysis, the language can get a little um, kind of nuanced and specific. And if you're not in that um, way of thought, sometimes the language doesn't always make sense. Like in one of the moments she kept using the word fantasy, and I just want to translate fantasy just means anything that I'm projecting into reality. So it's the thoughts that I'm thinking, the ways that I'm constructing what I project or reenact will happen. And so knowing that it takes away that uh, kind of language of our culture, which fantasy usually means more sexual or enticing, instead of anything that's on the inside of you where you're creating a fantasy of, let's say, the catastrophe. Um, so when you're catastrophizing and you're thinking of the worst case scenario, this is now opening up the mental internal experience of our life. And many times we live in a culture where it's all about if you just know it and you understand it, which is kind of like a Gnostic view, that knowledge itself will set you free. And that's not reality. Our culture is very self-sufficient and that's an issue because we become very insulated inside of ourselves. And my familiar is creating a lot of the systemic problems. And the word enactment just means we are reenacting a lot of the things we grew up with that are so familiar and second nature to us that we don't realize we're now playing that out in the world around us. And if we stay in this very insulated, I've got it figured out, I know what's going on, I've got these people to blame, and that's where you know I stay the victim of the, and I'm the hero, and a good thing I had to survive all of that, and not realize I may now be actually the perpetrator doing it to the next generation. I may be the person at work who is critical or sharp or emotionally unavailable or giving a blank face, which research says does a lot of uh, stress response inside of the other person because we are so insulated into knowledge where knowledge puffs up while love, which is only found in the context of relationship, builds up. And we live in a very narcissistic, self-engrandulizing uh, culture where we think, because I understand it, that I've got it figured out. And it's quite the opposite. 
new insight is just the beginning of the adventure of now journeying into those places inside and those relationship dynamics that have kept you in patterns where you may actually be uh, reenacting and doing things today that you don't know because it was so familiar. Like the example I gave in the interview is if that was your first language, you're going to default back to speaking that language, even though you've consciously blamed somebody else for that, it's your imprint as well. And so you're more likely to do it or to overcompensate. So we can see that a lot. The problem is whether you're doing the exact same thing as someone did to you at an unconscious blind spot way, or if you're on the other extreme and you're trying so hard to overcompensate, it's still an overcompensation, which means it's not organically in the moment, the felt thing that that person needs in relationship with you today. Now, let me say that a little slower. What that looks like is many generations. Let's say we had, you know, let's use the Great Depression. So we had the Great Depression as a nation where families were doing the best they could just to get food on the table and a home for their family to live in and clothes on their back. And so then we went to the next generation, the baby boomers, and they were excited to now have some prosperity and the United States had a stronger economy. And so then the next generation, their kids, they're saying, you know, the 80s and 90s, they're saying, hey, you should be grateful because look at all that I've provided for you as if provision of material needs replace the need for the emotional connection and attachment and some of those relational needs that because the baby boomers didn't have it, because their parents probably didn't have it, that now we've passed this mindset that I don't have to meet your emotional needs. I just need to meet your physical needs. And so the 80s are um, kind of identified as the me generation where it became very prosperous. There was a lot of pyramid schemes and a lot of um, just bad ideas of people just profiting off of others because everything was now about money and exterior prosperity and wealth and provision instead of true identity because if they didn't meet that emotional need, but I got a college, I got a pension, I got a, a long-term job, and I got this status symbol that that means worth value identity coming from family of origin. And so then now the next compensation is to overcompensate and become the helicopter parent, which is what we've seen a lot. So now we have millennials who are adults now who have been so indulged in their emotions that there's sometimes a lack of autonomy and initiative and drive and the hunger to make things work when it's not convenient and comfortable. And we have these overcompensations that are really uh, just as unfortunate as if we were passing it down directly because it's fixed, it's rigid. Anything that you have decided, like let's say you made a vow, I will never be like my father. I will never do it like my mom. I won't ever do it like that church or that denomination, or that pastor. I will always do it this way. I won't be like that teacher. I'll be nothing like my siblings. When you've done that, You've now constructed an internal rule where you disavow or deny every part of you that is like that. Let me say that again. Modeling means that you are going to replicate the environment around you. But when I've made a vow and said, I will never be emotionally distant like my dad, or I will never be critical like my mother, I will be emotionally available. I'll be present. I will be at all their games. I will ask them about their feelings. I will hug them and pick them up. What you've done is you've now denied every part of you that is like those people. 
like it or not, mirror neurons, you are picking up the environment around you. That's just how it works. I'm so sorry. It's in me as much as anybody else. And we have to all be willing to do the work instead of just denying and positivity, positivity, Lee, uh, working our ways through it, which would be one of my blind spots where I wanted everything to just be positive. And I thought if I just knew enough and I just did the opposite enough, then I wouldn't replicate and I wouldn't hurt anybody. But the problem is I was doing the exact same thing because when you disavow or deny something inside of yourself, it's now running rogue in the unconscious. And you have like a little agent who is going to hijack you. In neuroanatomy, we talk about that hijack experience. And that's very common in pop culture, pop psychology to talk about getting hijacked by the emotional brain, which is the limbic system. A lot of times your amygdala, kind of the fire alarm on the inside of you. And it hijacks from that midbrain region all the way and kind of encapsulating and taking over your ability to be objective and reasoning and clarity, which is more of your frontal brain in the frontal cortex. And so we understand that at the anatomy level, but it's so much more than that because you cannot um, disentangle how much the body and the soul and the spirit are all connected and interfacing at one time. And what happens is we have so much self-help where this quick little meme, this quick thing that says, hey, just choose to be positive. And while that's important, it's not the whole story. And it leaves us disavowing the parts of us that are not positive, the part of me that is critical. I hate to tell it to you, audience, but you and I have some very unattractive parts. <laughs> and we are replicating that. And we're doing things uh, that we don't even realize. And we may be giving kind of blank stares or we may be just making little jabs when we feel insecure. Um, we may be kind of one-upping or making sure people know who we are. And this very like vain show pictures and selfies and everything, we may be doing many of the things that either have been done to us or the overcompensation that is equally dehumanizing and disconnecting from intimacy and secure attachment. And so what that does is it blocks the here and now of relationship being medicinal. The way the Lord made us is relational creatures. We are relational at our very core. And when we isolate and we go back into ourselves and I have head knowledge and I go, well, I know why that happened. I know that, you know, my mother or father did this to me or them walking out did this or that teacher or that principal did this. And so we become very prideful and arrogant. And we can even tell our story in a way where they did that, but look where I am today and I have overcome that. And if somebody still has that air of having it fixed, that pride, that self-righteousness of saying, well, I maybe did do that or that happened, but I've got it all fixed now, that's a concern because there's not intimacy and pride. And where you've decided to judge somebody else, statistically, you're probably doing that or another extreme that is equally harmful. And we are not made to be self-sufficient, to have it all figured out on our own. Relational wounds require relational medicine. Now that's not to say that people are your therapist and your cure if they're in your everyday life, right? They're not supposed to always be there for you, right? That can become very narcissistic where I'm expecting and I'm entitled that they should understand and get me and all of those things. But instead, I wanna start walking with humility and curiosity 
of getting low and getting slow of going, okay, Lord, what was that reaction in me? I need to journal that. I need to process that. Yes, I may have the head knowledge. I may understand where it comes from, which is called new insight, where I can renew my mind, which is the first half of me. That's the conscious side. But I also need to do the due diligence of recognizing what's going on in my heart. How did that situation today impact me? And what other times throughout my life might I have felt similar? And if we borrow from our talk with Donna Da Silva and the Sozo inner healing model, now we're kind of peeling into this layer of saying, hey, there's a part of me that probably made a vow or a judgment, has pain that hasn't been grieved, has unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, and these things become bitter roots inside of us. And now consciously I've said, no, I'm not that. That's over. That's a long time ago. I have completely been that person. Trust me. And I may still be. Um, But the humility and the curiosity to be a lifelong learner and say, hey, Father, if this is a theme in my life, show me my part in that. I am not a victim. And if I have a pattern in my life of relationships, that means I need to start looking at what that is. I can't blame others. And it would be very easy to tell the story of, well, the bad thing happened. Uh, They did that to me. And it's a long time ago. And I am self-made. I've got it. Me and God, I'm, you know, I don't need anything else. I'm just going about my kingdom assignment and really have some emotional wounds and strongholds that I may be creating disaster everywhere I go and have no idea. And the whole point of this channel is not for it to be hard and heavy and talk about sad things, because I love talking about positive, happy things, but in order to love you well, and in order for the Lord to love me and you well, is for him to say, hey, will you come away? Stop the service, stop the activity and the noise, remove the distractions and the phones. And would you come and sit and be present and allow me to be present in those places with you? where there's deep, profound wounds and injustices. Will you open that space inside? And as a gentleman, he is not going to cross your free will. He's at the door knocking. That's to the believer in the book of Revelation. Jesus is at the door knocking that he may come in and sup with them. That's to the believer, not the unbeliever. And free will... I can accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and my spirit is saved. That's positional sanctification. And then there's progressive sanctification, where now each area of my soul has to learn to trust. You hear the word so clearly with David in the song of, um, in Psalms, where he's saying, the Lord taught my soul to trust like an infant at my mother's breast. I love that we're now at the place where science is verifying and substantiating scripture because that first year of life, when we're at the breast, that would be that time where I am learning. Can I trust you? Can I trust that you will meet my needs? And I can speak in my life and a gajillion people that I've worked with that they may consciously trust their spouse, their friends, their community, their leadership, God. And yet that has not translated into that affective emotional brain. We very much have a second heart or a second brain um, in our heart. And that part of us needs a corrective experience that's only found through relationship. 
The Lord is very clear. Do not forsake meeting together with the brethren. There is something that's healing and curative that happens only in relationship. And for some of you, you have got it all figured out. I have had it all figured out at different times in my life. And the Lord in his graciousness has to humble me and say, Shannon, you may have figured out the narrative that the enemy wanted you to believe because it left you prideful, arrogant, self-sufficient, and alone. And we can be in relationship, we can be in community, and yet alone. And the Lord has so much more for us. There's a deeper level of intimacy and safety of being able to take that armor off. And the vision he gave me is many of us are walking around who've gone through real events that taught us not to trust, that taught us that people are going to judge you. They're going to criticize. They're going to try to control you or manipulate you or betray you. And that's real. I am so sorry. And Jesus said in red letters, um, in this life, you will have heartache. And I am so sorry but he will be with you. Now, he didn't say, I will fix that for you. I will make sure it doesn't happen, or I will just blink you to the other side of it. His promise is I'll be with you, which is a relational template. Isn't that fascinating that no matter what you're going through, the medicine is actually relationship? Now, if we go to metaphysiology again, it's fascinating that at your neurochemistry, when we are alone, we feel a lot of cortisol, which is the stress hormone. That's that fear state that I am disconnected from relationship. And so we've talked before about fear causes me to pull back from relationship and hide. I want to fight, flight, freeze, right? The amygdala takes over the fire alarm and I pull away. And again, that doesn't mean you've actually walked away from relationship. It means internally your heart has pulled away from relationship. And I have done that so many times, especially to the Lord, where I come to him with my checklist, with my Bible reading, with my prayers and my worship, but my heart is not close to him because my heart is not feeling safe. And we have to slow down and even start recognizing that. Because it's not like I had a little name tag inside that said, hey, Shannon, your heart is disconnected from the Lord. You're doing this more perfunctory as a checklist because it's what you're supposed to do. But in reality, it's when I pull back and I'm present with the emotions and go, hey, God, it is not well with my soul. Why is it not well with my soul? What do you want to share with me? What do you want me to see and feel and experience? And how am I projecting? somebody from my past onto you. And the Lord showed me the other day that because I had been slimed by somebody who projected things from a previous relationship, a previous experience, and they projected that onto me, that then I learned to accidentally slime others, slime God, and I put him in a box And I was continuing to project and perceive him through um, more like a boss that I'm going to, or an educator that I'm like, hey, look, I'm achieving. You can promote me. Um, I'm working really hard. Aren't you proud of me? And yes, yes, he's so proud of you. But that's not why he's proud of you. That is an old template that's putting him in a box. And we get these funky belief systems that the enemy wants us to have, where again, we may not walk away from the Lord. We may not even walk away from our church or our marriage or our parenting or friends or community, but we do internally. And I just feel some of you really need to be aware and take some deep breaths of some ways that you've pulled back emotionally. 
And we can have all the right things here. Psychologists can. Statistically, they can have some really bad marriages and parenting because too much knowledge without a corrective experience to sync up the head and the heart can actually do a lot of damage to our loved ones. Um, It also happens with pastors and um, um, professors and other people who have a lot of knowledge, but then we don't always have the empathy and humility to be silent, to be still, to listen and hear with curiosity instead of already having it figured out why they're doing X, Y, and Z. And we want to slow down. And I love Nancy McWilliams' work because in the psychoanalytic space, there's this respect for the other that we can get so fast-paced We can get so many formulas and so many tweetable expressions and self-help fixes that we stop just being humanly present. And when my supervisees come to me and they say, well, Dr. Crawford, I don't know what to do. And I'm trying to think what technique and blah, blah, blah. My immediate reaction is in the moment between me and the supervisor to model, yeah, you're safe. It's okay to not know. Because sometimes going to a, a technique will blind you from what the client really needs, which is presence. And unfortunately, we can't offer presence when we are in our head. When I haven't allowed myself to go there emotionally, I'm not able to go there emotionally with somebody else. And my false self will kick in and the illusion of control will cause me to feel like I've got this solved, I've got this figured out, it makes me feel really good but it may not be what they need. And recently I had a client, a darling person that I really adore. And they were looking at me with such childlike confusion and panic in their eyes saying, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know. Is there something I'm supposed to do right now? Almost like they want to do therapy, right? Which again, (laughs) as much as therapy is a new situation, our template comes from our family of origin, where that's our first language. It's the first way we learn how to approach a relationship of any kind. And then we develop new templates, all that jazz. But at the beginning of a new relationship, there is a default and that's called automaticity, where the brain will auto-populate just like your cell phone, where it'll auto-populate your little password and say, hey, this is how we handle this. Is this what you want me to do? And if we're not mindful of that interaction, what you're doing is allowing old templates. So as she looked at me with panic in her eyes, like, I don't know what to do. Am I supposed to do something right now? Am I supposed to do homework? Do you have a technique I'm supposed to do right now? And I said, can I offer some thoughts? And she's like, uh, sure. I think nobody's really listened to you. And I think we need to be present with some really painful stuff and it may be uncomfortable, but I promise you I'm right here and we'll do it together. And we're going to be okay. And we're going to get through this, but I think it's actually better that we get away from the techniques that we get away from the control and the homework and the fixing and the solving. Cause all of that's based on the illusion of control. And let's come experience near and just be human to human. And my human instinct right now is that you just need somebody to be with you. And she was like, oh my gosh, no one's ever said that. She was such a high achiever, high performer 
that she elicited and pulled out a dynamic in others for them to prompt and feel like, oh gosh, I need to give a technique. She's asking for that, or, or I need to be busy around her and I need to perform around her because that's what she was used to. And so she was accidentally eliciting that or hooking that and other people were responding that way. But like when I tell my supervisees, the first thing you need to do in all of your relationships is just be human. Pay attention to your gut. Does this person need more knowledge? Do they need you to talk for 20 minutes because it makes you sound smart and like you've got it figured out? Or do they just need you to sit with them? Do they need somebody to just have kindness and their mirror neurons pick up the fact that you get it? And you don't have all the answers, but we also don't need to be phobic of the emotion that you're feeling. I don't need to avoid your emotion either out of my own uncomfortability with your emotion because I haven't done it myself. I need to sit and love you by being present in the places that you've never allowed yourself to go. And if you have, it's been like in a dark room with your knees up to your chest, crying in depression by yourself in your bedroom but not in a context of a therapeutic healing relationship. Now, I know many of you are not therapists, but I am giving you this as a key for yourself, but also for your friendships, your marriages, your parenting, your pastoring, your counseling, whatever relationship you're in, would you be courageous enough to do your own work to heal that emotional process, go deeper, Allow these encounters, start recognizing where you're projecting and reenacting, um, and then start clearing that out through relationship. When you feel anxious and insecure in a relationship, instead of just ghosting or putting up a boundary, and don't get me wrong, boundaries are great, but a lot of people use boundaries as an emotional sever when they feel anxious. So I'm going to reject you before you reject me. I'm going to grab control when I feel out of control. And those are very primitive childlike uh, reactions that may not be the most fruitful for this situation. Now, there are some situations you do actually need boundaries, and that's great. We're talking about two different conversations. We can do a whole segment on boundaries. But what I am saying is when you feel that desire to sever a relationship and pull away, um, that may be the very moment that you could pause and say, hey, Lord, are there any times that I felt like this in the past with a different relationship? And instead of just replicating it today, would you help me use this as a catalyst for healing? Would you help me unpack where is this coming from? What other times have I felt threatened, unloved, dropped, insecure, criticized, unsafe, shamed, whatever it is? And instead of assuming that the person today is doing that, maybe assume that that's the filter, that's the part of you that's perceiving reality through that. I don't know about you, but I've had some people in my life who've been very dramatic. They I idolize me, idealize me. And then one little thing infraction, and then it's like they devalue and they maybe write an email or do something that's very intense and exaggerated, but then they're fine later and they want to re-enter into relationship. And, and that can be a lot, you know, it's like, whoa, that's kind of exaggerated, big reactions. And sometimes that's me and that's you, that we can also do that to people, but it feels justified. 
as we talked about the hijacking that your amygdala brain, when you're hijacked, you don't realize the intensity of your volume and how you're coming across to others. We are literally not objective. And we're going to keep replicating a lot of relationship patterns and dynamics if we don't take the time to slow down and figure out what am I doing? Why am I doing that? What relationship dynamic is that coming from? And Lord, what lie am I believing? Who do I need to forgive? And what judgments do I need to break off of that person of the past, myself, and the person of the present that I've assumed made me feel like this? If I put the onus on me and I draw the circle around me and I'm no longer pointing at everybody else, but I'm saying, hey, God, even if they were wrong, even if you have to deal with them, great, you're God, I'm not. I'm inviting you to come deal with me. Why is that coming up for me? And instead of somebody sending that email or saying those words or just cutting somebody out of your life, maybe it's an opportunity to just get away with the Lord and start journaling and processing that maybe while you're sitting and maybe while you're driving and maybe while you're showering, maybe while you're on a walk or sitting in nature, or just kind of being present, things will start to surface. And especially if you ask yourself at what other times have I felt like this? We're moving away from just my head and now I'm going to the symbolic place of how my heart and my emotions are perceiving through those old wounds, those old dynamics. And now I'm perceiving people as being dismissive, unavailable, critical, um, whatever it might be. And instead of projecting and blaming and judging them and making a decision based on that today, which a lot of married couples do and parents do to their kids, it would be fantastic if we had the humility and curiosity to just start reflecting, hey, Lord, where's that coming from in my past? What other times have I felt like this? And in what ways might I be being the authority figure who's now making that other person feel that. And that's some of the hard feedback I give my clients out of love. <laughs> I have to give it to myself as well. Um, none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. But it's just taking that curiosity and humility to say, hey, if you feel scared and overwhelmed and panic because you feel like the child, you may also at the same time, be doing behaviors to compensate, to try to feel big and brave and authority and responsible. And you need to do this. So I don't feel out of control and you need to do it because I'm the parent. And I said, so you may actually be inciting in the other person, the exact same feelings of powerless, scared, immobilized, fear, panic, dread, foreboding, and not realize that we are actually fluidly engaging in a dynamic without even realizing it. My biggest recommendation is to stop looking at everybody else and say, God, here am I. You have some work to do on this very unsanctified person that needs a lot of your help. And again, this could be CEO, this could be mom, this could be pastor, uh, this could be a barista, whatever your role in life, you have relationships. And no matter how intelligent, wise, capable leadership anointing you might have, you're still human. And you still have relationship dynamics. And that's the sad part is a lot of us have these radical encounters that transform us 
but not necessarily going to the areas where our defense mechanisms blocked and hid and said, nope, denial, disavow, not going there. And that keeps a lot of junk locked inside. My hope for you is that you become a transformative leader, even in your everyday relationships, even with the checkout person at the grocery store or the Uber driver um, or the person on you know, I have ADP on the brain because I'm a business owner. Um, how am I treating people? And then how am I treating my intimate relationships? Am I really stewarding their hearts well, or am I taking them for granted? Am I becoming preoccupied when they're talking and doing the very thing that I swore I would never do, but what was modeled and is likely to flow out of me? It's in all of us. We're going to be talking about it a lot from different angles to just try to highlight how these dynamics get locked inside, but also how to get free from it. I don't want you to hear this and go, oh, dang, that's me. And <laughs> like, I'm just kind of screwed. <laughs> I want you to hear this as it's an invitation for intimacy. It's an invitation for upgrade that God has so much more for you than you could ever imagine. But many times we have an amazing experience. We get saved. We're doing ministry. We're leading a business. We're now writing books. We're blogging. We're influencers. And then we plateau. We stop growing. We stop learning. Even this morning, the Lord showed me some lies I had been believing. And I got to have some freedom sessions on myself this morning because he's saying, hey, sugar, you're welcome to keep those core beliefs and those core dynamics free will. I still love you. I'm, you're still anointed. I'll still work through you. But there's an upgrade available if you'll join me in the secret place. If you'll ask me the question, hey, Lord, why do I do that? For part of it, I've had a lot of relationships where I might feel um, really, really excited at the beginning and then kind of have a, a situation where I feel dropped or um, not cared about. And instead of just assuming that that's real, what if I go to the Lord and say, huh, is there a dynamic in which I felt idealized when I was good and then devalued when I wasn't meeting that person's approval standards, expectations, and how that kind of messed with my insides. And so now I'm replicating dynamics where uh, one person was able to say, yeah, I felt the elephant in the room. I felt the distance between us. And I was like, oh, I was actually doing it. Like I was so convinced it was going to happen that when a little subtle bit of it, I started to pull away and I had no idea, literally no idea. And fortunately, this is a very dear friend that prayed and asked other people to be praying while we talked to just help like clear away these unconscious filters, projections, judgments, misperceptions of one another so that we could remember, no, you're good and I'm good and we're safe. Um, and when that shifted and I was able to forgive, release, break judgments, misperceptions based on the past and then of the present, and then take on a new role in the relationship of instead of distancing to protect myself, now being able to lean in when it's hard or uncomfortable or there's distance because I'm deciding consciously to create a new dynamic. And that's the last thing I want to give you and leave you with for today's episode is when you realize that consciously new insight, renewing your mind, then you have a relational experience that helps upgrade it. I have to break the judgments, forgive, do the stuff like we talked about in Donna De Silva's Sozo model um, episode. But then I now want to operate in the opposite pattern. 
So that means it may be uncomfortable. It's like salmon swimming upstream. And um, you may want to follow Dr. Nancy McWilliams. She may be able to give some really great tips on that of don't do the exact same thing and expect a different result. I believe it was Einstein that said uh, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. Many of us are doing that and we expect others to change when in reality, I need to be the first one to change to say, okay, what would my impulse, my flesh response be in the past? And Lord, what are you inviting me to cultivate as a new relationship dynamic? Now, many of us will rationalize, yeah, but they don't deserve that. Yeah, but that's not fair. But they didn't do their part. That's true. But I'm responsible for me. God will deal with them. And I can decide how close or, or not close I let that person. You know, the Bible says, don't put your pearls before swine. But at the same time, I am still responsible for how much I wall off my heart and stay entrenched saying, well, if they're not going to do it, then I'm not going to do it. Instead of saying, hey, Lord, you've forgiven me of such a great debt. And whether this person changes or not, I am responsible to do my part. And so I'm willing to sit on the potter's wheel. I am the clay, you are the potter, and I want you to make me into a beautiful, magnificent piece of art that can be used to glorify you, to edify others, to build this relational dynamic that helps set captives free and helps them know you better through that human relationship. So that person may not change, that's true, but I'm still responsible for me. You are still responsible for you. And now learning how to take the expectations off of the person in the relationship, laying down the need for them to do their part and just saying, hey, God, whether they do it or not, I still want to operate out of the opposite dynamic for my own good, to be healthy and available and present in ways that are uh, life-giving and cultivate a new dynamic. And so as you're listening today, I hope you take some time to just sit and write and reflect and stop looking everywhere else and going, Hey Lord, would you show me what you want to show me in this? Now, not navel gazing where I'm going like, what's wrong with me? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, Hey, invite relationship, invite the Lord in his kindness and his love and his mercy to start highlighting, Hey, that might be reminding you of this person of your past, of the emotionally distant, disengaged mom who maybe had postpartum depression and her face was kind of blank or, uh, the critical dad or distracted parent or the unstable emotional parent that you didn't know what to anticipate or abusive or a meshing where you didn't get to make any decisions for yourself. And so if you perceive any of those dynamics, now you can start getting to the roots and saying, hey, then I need medicine there. I need a corrective relational experience to help get the pain out. And then I need to take responsibility to forgive that person, release them of judgment, and now move into the future with new dynamics because I am now responsible for my relationships going forward. And I don't want to keep replicating that. So it starts with me to learn a new language of emotional maturity 
And there's tons of resources out there on how to do that. So I'm going to leave you with that for today because you know I can just talk about this forever because I want you to be happy. I want you to have really meaningful relationships. The whole point of this channel is to you to get unlocked so you can be the absolute bliss, happy, joyful, emotionally happy, um, financially happy, relationally happy, destiny, purpose, vocationally happy version of yourself. I am cheering you on. Please hit subscribe. And uh, would you share this video so more people can learn about our community and get plugged in with the Unlock You podcast? I love you guys. And we'll see you in the next episode. Hey friends, thanks for listening. We would love for you to get plugged in with the Unlock You community. So follow the links below and stay up to date with upcoming content, events, and groups. We are here to invest in you and tailor episodes around your interests. Post comments, and hey, if there are any specific topics you'd like to hear about, let us know so we can strategically build content that is meaningful to you. And will you share this podcast so we can invest into more amazing people? Be sure to hit subscribe so we can see you for the next episode.